Welcome, Pathfinders, to After Party 33 for the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. Pathfolk. Pathfolk. <laughs> Sorry, I'm copying Rick. Anyway, <laughs> I'm Heather, and I'm back. Dun da da da. Yay, you're the last back. After Party, by the way. Back again. Yeah. So you already were back for you haven't, but, you haven't missed an After Party. No, I didn't miss an After Party, but I wasn't. This is like the first episode I've been back since uh, the episode. Like that, really back. Yeah, like yeah. really back. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh-huh. And sure. she did leave for part of the other After Party. Yes. So. Also true. So, I'm back. Yay! Yay. Yay so, this is over episodes 96... 7, 8, 9? No, yeah. 97, 98, 99. Yep. That, that sounds right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I wasn't there for most of episode 97, so... I think I was like in the last 10 minutes of that. Sudi critical a dang library is what yeah. happened. It was true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sudi. So I guess the recap will not be done by Heather. No, because uh, I was just there for the last few minutes. So yeah, you guys uh, finished up your investigation into the Vault of Hidden Wisdom. Yeah, we got uh, to tear down a dome. Right. I, I critical that library, which was really weird. Got to work some with uh, Citra's father and helping to, uh, well, Citra mostly worked with her father and helping to restore the dome back to its original design. And Kelru helped. Yeah. Because yep. he's back. And the robot guy. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. It was, um, I was looking into a little bit about domes and that entire process, just mostly on uh, archaeological excavations and things like that. And that happens surprisingly frequently. Hmm. Really? Uh, it was mostly when the Crusaders would conquer separate areas and would take over mosques or synagogues. They would then plaster over the original domes with Christian iconography or imagery. Yeah, we saw that in Cordova. Yeah. It was kind of hmm. sad. Yeah, but in a lot of those places, especially in the past hundred years or so, they've gone in and they've restored. They've taken down the, the plastered versions and they've kept those. Uh, and sometimes they've actually included those in new churches that have been built. But then they restore the synagogues or mosques back to their original state. Anyway. That's pretty cool. Huh. So, Wild. Yeah. Anyway, it's just kind of neat that you guys got to in, indulge in a little bit of a architectural discoveries. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was cool. And we made a clockwork friend. You made a clockwork in a library? We wound him up. Well, we wound up that uh, clockwork servitor. Oh, yeah. Uh, who nice. apparently serves everybody, anybody who has a Phrasman holy symbol. No, and no, so no, no. Nathian. Or Nathian, sorry, Nathian holy symbol. he didn't like you. And so he looks at Sudi, and he's like, you're not one of us, and refused to help me. bought one. Yeah, yeah I, he I, refused to help me. I finally broke down and stated for the record that she did go out and just buy a bunch of holy symbols. <laughs> so I've got Benny the Benny necklace, it. but I'm not a blasphemer like Benny. I just don't want to die every time I go into a, a tomb. Yeah. I still worship Osiris. 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 We haven't used that in a while. We need to get back to that. We haven't, we haven't been, well, I guess we've been in dire situations, but it hasn't been like... Too dire. Really too, dire. Too, dire. too dire. There's like, there's like a happy medium where yeah. it's Osiris territory and not oh poo territory. And then y'all went in the desert and made a new clockwork friend. Yes. That's true. Yeah. We met one, yes. That's why it was so surprising. We were like, clockwork, clockwork, clockwork. I know. We're like, wait a minute. We just got done with clockworks and there's more clockworks. Just when you thought you were out. And it was just a little anthropomorphic oh, fish thing. He's so cute. Mm-hmm. He's pretty adorbs. Yes. Little armor. So yeah, that was the end of the episode there where you got your uh, introduction to Masika and yes. Narmer. And I'm back. And you're back. So Heather, I got a question for you. Did uh-huh. you give Rick any guidance on like Narmer's voice and personality? Because he's uh, pretty freaking hilarious. Narmer has the prankster familiar archetype. Oh, And okay. so uh, I, that's where his sense is. So he's going to be funny. And then okay. Rick just 
rolled with it. I think he technically has performed comedy. Yes, he does. What wow. do gangsters get? <laughs> Um, He gets uh, a few cool things like uh, his he can fool Masiko with uh, making a bluff check on his their emotional bond. So if he doesn't want Masika to know how he really feels, he can make a bluff check and try to be like, you know, I'm totally on board with this plan, guys. No, I'm not. And um, he gets uh, mage hand, prestidigitation and ghost sound as spell like abilities at will. That's nifty. Um, oh, that's cool. So, but he loses like evasion and a oh. few other things like that. Oh, actually, so. evasion is pretty important. So, well, he gets total concealment when he's in that pocket in the bag of holding. Yeah. Uh, or does in he have the, like damage reduction? Uh, he has damage reduction five adamantine, but that's just for being clockwork. And then, yeah. like, he has, I think, elemental resistances as well. Yeah, probably. he has a few yeah. elemental resistances. He's weak to electricity, but that's another clockwork thing. Yeah. Masika is a shaman. I don't think that's ever actually been explicitly stated in we, any of yeah, the episodes. Yeah, we, we did not do a good job at, like, just um, being like, what are you? You don't usually go up to people like, hey, what are you? That's kind of like the mean girls things. Oh, my God. You can't just go ask people what they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he gets fast healing one from her life ability that she has, so... He, like, self-repairs. That'd be a decent time to talk about that as well. Yeah, tell us about it. Okay, so Masika is a shaman. Her primary spirit is uh, life. That's So she gets some cool healing abilities. That's actually why she can channel. Um, Uh, Okay. And then her wandering spirit is right now is lore. And unless something dire comes up, I don't really think I'm going to change it because that has some really cool stuff, too. Like, she uses her wisdom a modifier instead of her intelligence modifier for knowledges and oh that's nice. cool things like nice. that cool. so well, shaman like you know a cleric gets a domain spell shaman have their spirit spells and once a day i can cast a spell from either one of my main spirit or my wandering spirit list and lore has cool things like tongues and contact other plane cool. and things like that so Spiff. and we may or may not receive any uh, comments pertaining towards this but shamans routinely they get an animal Yes. That they bond with and they gain their, their powers from and abilities and such. And since Masiko is technically coming in at a higher level, I told Heather it was fine to go ahead and take Imperd Familiar. Despite the fact that a shaman must always get a familiar that is similar to their original one. Mm-hmm. And so I decided that, you know what, if you're going to burn a feed on it and it's kind of a cool concept, I'm willing to do something a little bit strange, a little bit different with it. And... Despite the fact that Narmer as a clockwork construct doesn't really have a connection to nature, he is fueled by this His stone. elemental gemstone. So basically, whenever you play with him for an hour, he just like opens the chest cavity and just bathes you in radiation. Yep. <laughs> like, man, you have magic powers now. <laughs> yep, that's how Yay. radiation works. Basically. Yeah, that's totally basically. how radiation yeah. works, guys, basically. for sure. <laughs> hey, I mean, it's bad. It was good enough for the Hulk. It's good enough for the rest that's of us. That's gamma radiation. That's gamma radiation. That's not even the radiation you get it's from X-rays. It's just low levels of gamma radiation. This it's is not magic dangerous. radiation. It's different. <laughs> the, to sum it up is the fact that, you know, Narmer is almost more of a conduit for this. And uh, I like the idea of it being water because there's a whole water theme with Masika being Undyne and with Narmer being this cat folk. <laughs> He's a catfish. He's a catfish, catfish folk. Catfish folk. <laughs> He's more cat than man. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, Narmer being this catfish that it ties back into water. And as far as the ancient Osiriani were concerned, water was literally life. Yep. Uh, and for a desert people, it feels the exact same. So it still makes sense for her to have the life. It's not a mystery. What is it called? 
It's a spirit thing. But yeah, and before people are like, catfish, that's weird. Catfish are actually in the Nile, and Narmer's name is from a real-world ancient Egyptian myth about the catfish pharaoh. Or like, potentially real person. Or a real person, oh, we're that, not sure. Okay, that's why he has a little pharaoh thing. Yeah. I wondered how that Narmer is, okay. it literally means like catfish king or catfish ruler or something like that. Oh, that's cool. So there is a basis in real world ancient Egypt for the catfish theme. Okay, because so. I was definitely like, why does this thing? Like, <laughs> uh, the first thing I see is you're like, it's a catfish. Okay. Okay. I don't wanna. So yeah, you'd have to ask Rick where Narmer's voice came from. So that was, that was all Rick. Mine was just... I just thought it'd be a, a fun... I can't do accents very well. Well, it's a catfish that's made of metal. His mouth is yeah. wide. <laughs> yeah, because like, you can't see it because we're doing a podcast, but like Rick actually like widens his mouth, okay. so it kind of looks like a little bit of like a catfish <laughs> when he's doing it, which is really funny. I've never felt sexier. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then the next episode, we punch some gnolls. I firebombed. Yeah. Firebombed. I firebombed. 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 I mean, a little bit, too. Yeah. I know. That made me sad. I was sad, but Hollis would not have been sad because Hollis was like, nope, got to get rid of this. Yeah. But you know Jessica was going, ah! <laughs> but you did it anyway because you're true to your character and that's how yeah. Hollis would handle that. Yeah. Oh, a cluster? Excellent. Fireball. Yeah, yep. you guys, uh, you fought some some null slavers. I think it was revealed afterward that they were rangers with their favorite enemy human and shooting the crap out of the one human in the party. They shot the yeah. crap out of Hollis, too. Also out of Hollis, yeah. You did destroy all of their little companions in one go. Well, they were trying to keep her from doing that. So, yeah. yeah. They tried real hard. And then Masika lizarded the lady, and that was funny. <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah, that was good. Uh, uh, Baleful, Polymer, Baleful Polymorph never fails to be amusing when it actually works. It has I just a love really, it. It has, un- unfortunately, in our par- in our experience, a really high failure rate, because we always want a Baleful Polymorph, big you know, bad guys. the big yeah. bad guy, yeah. and it's like, I mean, they usually have a good will save, and so it doesn't really work I out. I mean, so it's, it's one of those, you can does. get the fortitude save, they'll fail, but then they remember that they're a wizard, and or whatever they were. Gonna, yeah, I was gonna say. I'm gonna be honest. Like that sounds like torture. Like that sounds awful. Speaking of Sudi Snake, I mean, it sounds bad, but I I just love Baleful Polymorph so much. I kind of wish that she had remembered that she was still a knoll because then we could have interrogated her as the lizard, lizard. and that would have been funny because and it would have given us some leverage. Be like, tell us what you know, and we'll turn you back into a knoll. But yeah, <laughs> and then kill you. No. Why are you going straight for death? Well, no, that's what um, Z-name guy. Jason Momoa. <laughs> no, he said trial by combat after she was found guilty. Well, what's the difference between trial by combat and then we kill her? You well, have a if, chance. You, if, if you have wins. a chance to I win. I guess she has a chance. I you think she's not going to, though. Hey, trial by seen... combat doesn't mean fight to the death. Yeah, have you never seen the uh, the mountain versus the Viper of Dorne? No. I didn't watch Game of Thrones, so no. no. Okay. Trial by combat. They kill a wolf, I'm out. That's fair. <laughs> but yeah, that's like like right in the middle out of the beginning too. Jessica's uh, not watching dogs die, even if they're big scary wolf dogs. Well, that's it's true. done off screen. You don't see it. Don't care. But yeah, she couldn't watch the scene in John Wick that had that happen. Oh either. no, I walk out of the room when that yeah, happens. No. And then I go watch happily the rest of the movie as he gets revenge yes. for his puppy. Oh yes, yeah. yes. That's true. I think we, we talked a little bit about that off air afterwards, but it was also kinda nice for the party to have a fight where you just owned the fight. Yeah, where we oh, yeah. just stomp, yeah. You just throw around some magic. That was fun. Well, particularly after you had such a difficult fight before that. Yeah. I know. I was like, oh, God, I'm in a dimension door. We're all going to go this time, right? Okay, we're going. And I went. Okay, this is great. 
Yeah, but it was also one of those times where like, it's kind of the exact opposite of how it was in the, the Dead Palms area where we knew exactly how many there were. We roughly kind of could gauge their strength just by like kind of what equipment they had and everything. So we went in, even if it wasn't, it didn't end up being an ambush because we can't be stealthy, but you know, we knew everything that was pretty much going to come after us. So it was, you know. No, the quicksand bottle, that was surprising. Actually, yeah, the that quicksand was bottle surprise. was a good surprise. But like, that was also like an inconvenience because it did, I don't think any of us failed it. So, no. yeah. you know, it was inconvenient, but that's about it. It was a good fight for all of you guys. And you well, had we saved the slaves. You saved all the yeah. slaves. You rescued Masika's sister, Sage. Mm-hmm. It's really weird to have to role play where the party doesn't trust the newcomer that is Heather. And so we're not going to tell her everything, but we need to tell her some things and we can't keep the secret forever because that in a cooperative game makes no sense. Yeah, but yeah. you all suck real hardcore at keeping secrets. I am a very honest human being. Jessica Peters is. And I am not good at lying because I prefer to just tell people the truth. Yeah. And, and it's hard to role play something I'm like absolute yeah. garbage at. Yeah. And Sudi is also kind of a very open impulsive. and honest kind of person. Also impulsive. So <laughs> that combination means not able to keep secrets hey, at all. I just imagine like Citra was coming and armor up. have this in common. <laughs> I imagine that like Citra was like y'all would start talking and she would probably just like poke y'all or step on your foot or something like that. Yeah. Hey, I think I did an okay job. We didn't reveal the mask. No, once. we didn't. We revealed like archaeology we're looking for this site we also hate the cultists that all was fine anybody could know that that's not a big deal but we didn't reveal anything about the mask and i thought that was pretty okay yeah the (laughs) mask the weapon in the desert yeah that was hard but we did it as long as sudi stops messing with this turban i'm self-conscious i'm not yet comfortable in in wearing the mask slash turban (laughs) don't draw attention to it it's that thing in movies where they have to remind the audience every once in a while of something (laughs) yeah it was like the I can't remember which X Men movie it was that someone like that Mystique was impersonating a senator or something, and then someone the bumped into yellow. her and her eyes like flashed yellow. Yeah, yeah. It's the like that's not how Mystique's one. powers work. Yeah, that wouldn't happen. But they just needed to let the audience and the X Men know. Yeah, because they pause it on the television. Oh, that's Mystique. Oh, and yeah. it's like. But it, yeah, in the comics, it's like she, unless she wills herself to be somebody yeah. else, she is that person and can't be like, they, there's nothing you can do. You can't jostle it. her out of it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so that's been weird and hard. Well, and Masika doesn't really, she knows y'all are hiding something because Sudi and Hollis are acting weird. I, well, I yeah, just boy. act weird, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Part of it, though, is also narratively beneficial for us to be bad at keeping this secret at this point in time because we do eventually need to get Masika up to speed on what's going on. Yeah, and it's, you know, that's why in the next episode when they're saying, hey, you need to go with these people, she's like, but they're obviously up to something. We hide who we are. Like, we, we <laughs> yeah. see me yeah. I mean, in town. Li- literally, the difference that between was... us and a wanted criminal is a very, very thin line in terms of how You know, and that was another thing that she was like, they weren't even, they're, they're disguising themselves. It's... To every stranger we meet, you know, in case they're a bounty hunter, maybe. Mm. Well, we had to learn from our mistakes where we trusted people we shouldn't and got our asses handed to us. Yeah, and we haven't told that story (laughs) yet. So, you know, Masika's like, yeah, these guys are like maybe overly paranoid. And we're like, no, we're like under paranoid. Well, we're doing our best to be very paranoid. Yeah. 
but we're bad at it. Yeah, but it's hard because, again, we know Heather is the character that we can trust. And so it, it is hard to separate that because yeah. we just immediately want to bring her up to speed. And it's like, no, 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 we have to we have to play this out because eventually she's going to know everything, but we can't get her there in one episode. That would make yeah. no sense. We got we to gotta build to it and build the trust and actually integrate it properly. Well, yeah, you know? it's kind of like Masika showed up and then Jordan basically looked over and said, so... Tell me your character's backstory. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan's the worst at that. Yeah. I'm not good at introducing new characters. It was like I'm episode really one when Jordan's just, it's like, hey guys, by the way, I love Sphinxes and here's why. I've yeah. never met you people before, but let me tell you about the traumatic experience of my orphanage. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm, I'm really bad at introducing characters. <laughs> I do better when they're just complete and total weirdos. Yep. Oh, or if sure. I don't know my own backstory, i.e. Strange Aeons. <laughs> yeah, plot. Fair. Yeah, Sudi has plot armor just because Jordan's so bad at introducing new characters. I don't want to submit <laughs> all that. <laughs> I live forever now. Oh, man. Oh, that's so not true, but yeah, you can so dream. Yeah, I know. I wish. No. Yeah, so the following episode, you guys made it to the, the Bakken tribe. And I think on her, it's the giant bird. Why oh, do you think yeah. on her, it's a giant bird now? Okay, A. Okay, wait, we're doing this out of order. Damn. Summary first, <laughs> then talk about the episode. So you guys showed up. You went to uh, speak with the tribal leaders. You met uh, Ka'at and Mera. She's so cute. I, I was kind of like surprised that Ka'at was like, she's only like, what, maybe in her early 20s? Yeah, late teens, early twenties. Yeah, so it was like really surprising because I kind of I kind of just assumed that all three of them would be like you know Old. on the older side. But and are they hags? Because it takes three of them to do it, their ritual. I definitely even said that in the episode. I was like, oh, they're all. You they're can all take witches. the coven thing without being a hag. Nah. Oh wait, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a, it's a, one of them has two different colored eyes. So yeah, changeling. I mean, if Masika was going to become one of the tribal leaders, she would in turn have to be a hag following that line of logic and mm. she is not it makes me think of uh, in some mythos or whatever where uh, you have like the, the three-faced crone so you have yeah. the young one the middle-aged one and the old one maiden mother crone yeah and so like together all three of them oh so the person we're looking for is the super old one uh, is the yeah. oldest of them, yes. Yeah. Although, funny enough, it, it, this did not occur to me until after we recorded that episode. That I was there, it's like, man, she's basically uh, Sarah <laughs> Jessica Parker's character from uh, Hocus Pocus. She seems smarter than that, though. Well, uh, yeah, smarter than that, but oh, you yeah. have you have the, like, mm. you know, the older, <laughs> serious one that's, you know, angrier than you have, like, the, the middle one who's just kind of like, I'm just kind of here and I'm doing my thing. And then you've got the... The sillier, younger, more inner, but that also goes into kind of like the maiden mother crone yeah. stereotype. Yeah. And then you gain some information about the uh, the surrounding area, a couple different areas that you could explore. There's going to be bee people. There's Teddy Sura. Yeah. And I think on her it is the big bird. Why do you think on her it is a big bird? My reasons are reasons three. Reason one. <laughs> on her it flew back toward where Teddy Sura was to, quote, tell her. Two. On her, it's a weird bird with magic powers. And they kept talking about how he's from the sun. He seems smart, but we're not sure how smart. He's a divine emissary of Horus. Yeah, sent by Horus. Reason three. Or they, it stated that, he, that they believed he was sacred of Horus. Whatever. So. Same, Reason same three. He takes camels and not people. So he's good. And they talked a lot about like order and stuff. And... I mean, he's a magic bird. Like, he could have been real oh. big. And then she sent him to go follow Onuris and make sure Onuris was okay. I got the feeling that, you know, the bird's been around longer than on her. It's been chilling with Tedasura. Mm-hmm. Let us also point out the fact that Rick made a point of on her always going out and bringing back things like mice or lizards Lizard, and stuff nice for sugar. Dish. 
and that possibly this giant thing is taking camels to feed Tedasura. And Tedasura has been, it's, they have a quote, an understanding, like they're friends. And Tedasura doesn't have a lot of friends. So Onuris was a friend and on her it's a friend and so maybe she got worried about on and sent on her it in a smaller tiny compact body i have no idea if any of this is true just for the record but i think it's real weird it's a fun thing <laughs> it's, a, it's not even a fan theory it's a fun player theory this is my theory and then when sugar sees him she'll be like oh lord my man he's so big now <laughs> right it'll be awesome okay then we'll have to see if this comes to fruition and a little part of me hope it's hopes it does it, it's a really interesting <laughs> Theory. It's People pretty, say pretty fun theory, but it, instead it's like a like a deafening booming caca because it's huge. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, almost to episode one hundred, guys. We're so close, and it's, it's gonna be a cool one. Before we move on from to the emails, with that episode, there was also something. This is a little behind the screens thing. Talking mechanics to everyone out there. There's a mechanic that I both appreciate and don't in Pathfinder, and that's the exploration mechanic. I find it interesting. I really enjoyed it for Kingmaker and thought it worked well in Kingmaker. I decided not to use it in its entirety in Mummy's Mask because in essence, you guys are now on Hexploration. Oh, oh boy. No. And so instead, I've decided to run this section in a much more narrative manner, still using the Hexploration as in I can look at this map and go, okay, that's five hexes away, so you're going to travel 60 miles to get to this location. Okay, it's going to take you about a day to cross this area because the caravan can cross basically one hex in a day. Sure, yeah. Uh, so it lets me measure out the time pretty well for your exploration as well as the areas that you're exploring. But I'm not going to do that. You go into a hex, you have to spend you know, an entire day searching that hex and making perception roll. I appreciate the exploration mechanic, but it... In the case, especially when dealing with a podcast, it feels too gamey and not narrative enough for a listening audience. So for anyone that's listening to this and going, it's like, why hasn't he explained the exploration mechanics to the party because he's using it? I just decided to put it on the back burner and focus on the story. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a more organic way for us. So we appreciate it, that. It works great for something like Kingmaker, where you're actually conquering territory. Sure. Yeah, and yeah. establishing things and... You're actually on a mapping expedition in Kingmaker. So it's like, oh, well, we're making a map. Obviously, we're going around and setting up our little tripods with our surveying equipment. I'm glad you think they have that. Yeah, well, well we're taking a, a long spyglass and looking around and being like, okay, here's sure. what I think it looks like. So anyway, but yes, this was uh, this was our 99th episode leading into episode 100 we're going to do a cool thing. Which is going to be pretty cool. You guys are going to have to, you only have to wait a couple more days after you listen to this. To oh, yeah. listen to our uh, our episode 100, it's going to be some fun stuff. Yeah. yeah. We all deserve lighthearted fun. Yeah. Yes. But I did want to, uh, to address two things with that. Following this after party, we are going to begin casting again. We will not be casting in this after party. Uh, we're going to be doing emails. Uh, but I do want to do something fun at the end of this. So we'll wait until after the emails. Stay tuned for that. But we will begin casting again in our next after party, after party 34, uh, following episode 102. 
Dun, dun, dun. So let's, uh, let's get to emails, shall we? So our first email is from Josh from West Crown. Good choice. Hey, Josh. Good choice. Mm. Josh, is, uh, Josh is an old friend of the pod. He's, he sent us our original Israel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And dice. Uh, yeah. And our dice. Yeah. 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 Uh, right. He was also the one that won the, uh, uh, when we did our first contest giveaway. We haven't done a contest in a while. He won the unlucky Jordan dice. He won the unlucky Jordan dice. Yeah. Oh, I hope they're not being unlucky for him. Yeah, I think, uh, I think he said that he was going to put it in a place of honor and never roll it. I yeah, think he rolled That's a wise choice. Probably wise. <laughs> yeah, that's not. That, that Let is a very, very smart move. So thanks for reaching out, Josh. And Josh says, greetings, doorkeepers. I know that I'll be within a sea of the path folk who wanted to chime in on that episode. You know which one, the one that broke our hearts. It's so sad. Each time I finish the latest episode, I find myself thinking, no, I was wrong before. That was my favorite Find the Path episode. And this was no different. It was such a great example of all the things that make me want to belong to a group like this. Passion and connection to their characters in the story, knowledge and experience with the game, devotion to playing true to the reality of their characters and not their personal knowledge, and at least it's some real stakes and real pathos and real sadness. Well, thank you. That's we- really sad to make Heather read that. I know. Rick's I know. making me read all the emails about Onyris being dead. Rick is a method GM. <laughs> well, uh, I, we appreciated all the comments and like our subreddit was like an insane with, uh, amount of comments with yeah. the comments on that and everything else. Running the podcast, I've made this analogy a couple times. I don't know if I made it on on air. Running the podcast is kind of like trying to turn the Titanic. Whenever you're getting information, it takes a long time to do. <laughs> Uh, so anytime that we receive comments from you, oftentimes we're already a number of episodes ahead. And so we might not actually have time to get your emails in before we're doing the following after party. Mm-hmm. And as such, we're getting to them now. He continues with Heather brings so much life and joy and frustration and devotion and on yours that I can't but hope that our golden boy comes back to us. I can't imagine that Mama Nofra will be happy when she hears about her beautiful boy's demise. And she has many resources at her disposal. No, she wasn't happy at first. No, I mean, I actually haven't listened to that episode, so I don't know how she reacted, but thank you. I really, I really miss Onuris. Others have mentioned the possibility of the Hachia's intervention as well. The one thing I know is that I trust Rick and Heather, along with Rachel, Jessica, and Jordan, to make sure that it isn't trite or cliche or underwhelming in whatever decision is made. I don't think it was. In fact, I, I was I was not. really touched by the, uh, the eulogy the eulogy episode. So he says, but a question. If Heather does bring in, in another character, how the <laughs> the party going to justify accepting a stranger into their party <laughs> well we kind of discussed that a little bit earlier I was say that, that gets yeah. kind of explored in the yeah. episode also <laughs> they were just betrayed by the last stranger that came up to them wanting to aid in their quest how would they know that this new person isn't another cultist attempting to subvert their quest Although that would be amazing, a long play reveal if that was the case. Late in book six, Heather drops the ruse and turns on them all. We're not liars that are, we're not that good at lying. (laughs) Yeah. You've listened to us play. I think we also just in general have a standing rule not to mess with each other in that way. Like I I would literally like lose my mind and just like be so upset if that was the case. Like we're just not going to do that. Now, if I were to replace like Sudi with a doppelganger or something and make Jordan play the doppelganger for a while. That's different. Now that is different well, and in that case I would absolutely play my Segura was possessed by the yeah. stalker so yeah, like that yeah. kind of thing so yeah that's, that's different because it's also it's a temporary thing yeah. and he says I realize by the time the after party happens this is most likely resolved either on Eurus's return or Heather's new character but I think it's a testament to how real and true you have brought these characters to life that I can't help but think of their emotions and responses rather than the most efficient storyline 
thank you to you all, even you, Rick, though I know it makes you squirm for crafting the story and these characters that mean so much to us all. It may hurt, but I know that ha- however things change, the doorkeepers will continue to excite, amuse, terrify, and ultimately entertain us all. Carry on, Pathfolk, and I can't wait to see here what the future brings. Your devoted and eager listener, Josh. Oh, thank you. Well, thank sweet. you. That was very sweet. Your praise so, fills me with a mixture of shame and pride. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope uh, I hope you like Masika and give her a chance. She's, she's so fun. She's different I than I I already really like her. So, so she I, is Hollis's new best friend, <laughs> even though she doesn't know this. <laughs> I honestly, I've I've actually really enjoyed your new character. So not that I didn't enjoy Onuris, but like it's it's, it's a completely different feel and. I don't know. I've, well, I've and, enjoyed it. And sometimes you wonder how that's going to really play out, especially if you have like a pretty good dynamic going. Yeah. And then like with Masika, it's a very different dynamic, but I think it's a positive dynamic. So I, I think that's I good. I think it's almost necessary with how heartbreaking the loss was to have a different character like this. that I think it does help. Yeah, it's set up so that we don't have to fully trust her with the biggest secret, which is that we have this artifact and exactly what we're trying to do with the artifact, because we both have the same goal of get rid of these cultists because no one likes them. And that's good enough to start with. Yeah. Yeah. And then it kind of as we go, we can like, you know, once we kind of build that trust up, it can be natural to be like, okay, by the way, the reason why we care about this is... Anime reveal. Yeah. (laughs) And Sudi does like a a hair flip, but with the the mask. And it's like (laughs) shimmery in the gold sunlight. He's just like, Masika, I must tell you the story of our through mission. He whips (laughs) off the turban. It's just like... I have a legendary mask, dun 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 dun, and you know, like anime. <laughs> I can actually see Sudi saying dun 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 dun. Our second email is from Christopher from Pangolius Nightall. Oh see, man, my hey, people. He didn't just pick Nightall, he picked a specific place in Nightall. The Nidal. best place in Nightall. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I mean, of places in Nightall, maybe it's the best of Nightall. <laughs> can, can I just say every time I hear that name, I'm just like, it's Pangolin! Yeah, <laughs> yeah Pangolin Nightall. <laughs> Whoever did that's funny. So he says, Hey team, I'm so sorry, Heather, about Onuris. Oh, thank you. However, I have a question that has been bugging me for a while. Why was Onuris an Azamar and not a Shabti? They are not only in Beastiary 5, but a Beastiary entry in this AP. I think it would have been made more sense with the flavor of the being ripped from the souls and brought back to life. All right, so Onuris is an Azamar because of the ancient Egyptian belief that the pharaohs were uh, the living gods. Azamars have celestial blood of some sort, and I didn't even know the Shabti existed until we were in this adventure path, and I think yeah, Falto no, made like, yeah, Until Falto started no. going, it's like, I'm pretty sure he's... Yeah. There's also, also, there's, it's also a, it's a double layer joke because the Shabti are actually outsiders. They're not conscious constructs but because they're constructed and Falto doesn't have any knowledge of the planes or knowledge of arcana he just assumed they were all constructs well and Shopti aren't playable races they are they are in oh what really yeah uh, they set them out in the um, when they they provide you the player stats for them when they stat them out in Mummy's Mask but yeah so I've the Azamar thing came from the ancient Egyptian belief that the pharaohs were the living gods and the way I thought that would be the most interesting to represent that would be an Azamar because they usually have blood of the celestial blood and the whole thing on yours is a reincarnation of his former self who was a pharaoh I just thought it would be an interesting way to do that representation so that's why Onuris was an Azamar. In other news, my backup character just turned into a Shabti, because that sounds cool. Oh, no, they, give you, they give you their stats in Bestiary 5. Yeah, we never look at Bestiaries for player races. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, and then he says, I'm sure by the time you get this, you will have a new character, but can we hear some of the, uh, the other characters you were thinking about? So I've said this in previous after parties. I had no 
backup plan for Onuris. That's a bad idea if you're playing an adventure path. I know, but I just couldn't ever think of anything. Um, So after uh, Onuris died... Heather took two weeks off. I took two weeks off. (laughs) I did. We went to Greece. I texted Rick a little bit, and we sat down one weekend when Jess and Jordan were still out of town, and I said, okay, what's going to be a good spot to bring a character in? And we talked about Beckon tribes and everything like that, and... I said, well, I don't want to do another cleric, and I don't want to do an oracle, because we have an oracle in the other AP, so that pretty much... In our uh, Curse of the Crimson Throne game, my character had the leadership feat, and her follower was a shaman, and I actually had a lot of fun with that, so I decided to go with a shaman. So that's how that came about. But yeah, and if Masika dies, I, again, have no freaking clue. So going to have to start thinking of a new backup character. Oracle. <laughs> a shabti. <laughs> Druid. Shabti Druid. Druid. Dual cursed oracle dude. Dual cursed. <laughs> I don't know, but if that happens and then we're then we're out of uh, caster classes and we're going to have to recycle. So the point is, is that Masika has to live longer than Octavius so that you can then play an oracle. Yeah. yeah there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, Christopher uh, signs off by saying, I just want to thank you guys again for such a great podcast. I've been caught up for over a year and I'm always dying for the next episode. So I hope this finds you well. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yep. We are well. And we are well. Oh, yes, and that You're... is no mean feat, by the way, staying caught up on yeah. all the episodes, considering yeah. we release them once a week. It's true. That's yeah. a lot of listening. I don't know. My commute to work is an hour, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people's are. Yeah, thank you, Christopher, though. And our last email is from John from Seattle, which I think we decided was Califost. Uh, yes. It could be any sort it of It depends. A, I think we've made it a couple of, of different places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's wherever we're thinking about Seattle's it. Seattle's all over the place. You know what? He could be from Leppenstadt. It's nearby, but, you know, it has more of an educational flair. I do yeah. like sure. Leppenstadt. All right. He says, hello, doorkeepers. I, yeah. I want to congratulate you on what is the best heel turn I've ever seen. I <laughs> love listening to the party as they listed all the signs they had missed or ignored. I know. Having now listened to 94 after the crit, it was touching to hear that Rick was as affected as much as everyone else was. No. Oh. It's a sign of a good GM, we, by the way, is that you feel awful when you kill a character. We certainly aren't the group that's like, how many did you kill? Yeah, we killed him. Like, that's... That. That's always the one thing at PaizoCon that bothers me is when Eric Mona would stand up there and be like, all right, GMs, how many of you guys have killed a player this week? And, like, there's, like, a cheer that goes up when people raise their hand, and I'm just like, nah. First off, spot on Eric Mona impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I did get to ride in the elevator with him once, and I didn't realize who he was. And so he was just like, how are you enjoying yourself? And I was like, I'm good. And, and you went to the bathroom and <laughs> ran into Lisa Stevens. I, <laughs> I didn't know who she was either because it was the first year we were there. So I got to meet two of like the big wigs, and I was just like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> They're very approachable. Just people. washing my hands next to Lisa Stevens, just grinning like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to say, uh, pro tip for going to PaizoCon, they are super approachable. Yeah, yeah. and they're all really nice. They're yeah, so nice. Super the, nice. Hey, we'll be there this year. So yes, yes, we sure. We're also approachable. I am real shy, Not so Heather. it's, yeah. <laughs> so if you come up and say hi and I, I look like a startled cat, I'm sorry. No, more, more like a deer. Because, like, I imagine if you were a cat, you'd do the whole arch up thing. <laughs> you know, and I don't think you do that. You more like freeze. I do tend to say, t- take a step back and, like, towards Rick or Jordan or someone else I know when that happens. Because she's short enough to hide behind. Keep an eye on the Heather outside of her natural element. <laughs> she has been approached. But on the uh, on the subject of character death, I kind of I worked for a little while. I was trying to figure out a way to kind of articulate my thoughts and feelings on having a character die. 
And I actually found an article written by someone else that articulates it probably much better than I could. Uh, there's a, a, a series that I follow from a guy who goes by the, uh, the tagline, the angry GM or angry DM, sorry. And uh, he does a whole lot of stuff where it's basically, you know, if Lewis Black was a game master. Um, Lord. It's it's pretty great. He kind of summed it up in the fact that death sucks and any game master that feels guilty because it's your fault. No matter what happened, it's your fault. Because as the game master, you have absolute power. So at any point, I could have just said, you know what? Serenray herself bursts through the ceiling and <laughs> stops that blow from hitting you. That you weird. have that power. Yep. And so I'm a believer, firm believer, in and trying my best to be an unbiased arbiter of the rules that I call the dice as they fall and we live with the repercussions and that shapes the story. And to accept the fact that the dice are going to tell a story and that I'm here to facilitate that. I'm not here to usurp your own choice and direction or your own decisions or even the story to try to spin it off in a completely different direction where I just go, okay, well, Sudi's going to die and I'm not going to give him a saving throw against it because I feel like this is where Sudi should die. And Onuris isn't going to die despite the fact that he failed a saving throw because I don't think this is where Onuris should die. That's not the type of story that I tell. Yeah, Um, it's icky. It gets that slippery slope where suddenly, well, why didn't I get a, a staying hand from a deity or, you know, why don't I get the saving throw? Like it, it's, much better also from a GM perspective to kind of, I wouldn't say necessarily hide behind the rules, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, sorry, the DC just is what it is. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. That's the medium. The medium is you're playing a story that's cooperative that is dictated success or failure by dice. If you didn't want to play a story that was dictated by dice, you shouldn't be playing the game, right? Because if you listen to like an audio drama, that's all scripted and they're entertaining, but they're not the same. Yeah. The beauty of tabletop gaming, the beauty of actual play is I know the story, but I don't know how the story is going to turn out. Each of my players knows their characters and are playing their characters, but they don't know how the story is going to twist and turn and how it's going to turn out. It's like if you're running a game of Harry Potter and... What if Hermione just happens to roll a one that time on her knowledge check and no one can figure out what the frick the basilisk is? Sorry, spoiler alerts for book two of Harry Potter. Or like when she forgot <laughs> she was a witch. Like, are you a witch or aren't you? Cast yeah. some fire on that devil snare. Yeah. Uh, so it is It is that fun element where none of us know the complete story when we sit down to play it. But despite that, I am still responsible for a character dying. And I accept that. And I actually, I felt bad about it because it's Heather is my friend and I'm causing my friend heartbreak. That sucks. And a lot of people don't usually think about how it affects the game master, but unless you are a cold, heartless man, then you're probably gonna feel bad about making your friends feel bad. So in the end, it is, you know, I I legitimately felt bad for what happened. Not that I felt that I did anything wrong, but I have lost characters and I know how much it sucks. Yeah, that's the, I think the other thing is, you know, when you're not a forever GM and you've actually played, and lost characters, you can empathize so much more with it. I did, uh, you know, GM Serpent Skull. I killed three characters. It's just like it, it you kind of see the train wreck coming and you can kind of do nothing about it because, like I said, it's the rules are the rules. And so you feel awful, but it's also like a reminder of all the characters that I've lost too. You know, that makes it even worse. It's and- also cool because that makes this game a little more like a thinking man's game. Like, uh, 
that whole fight felt like chess for me. And so yep. it's, you know, making the moves and hoping that your gambles pay off because you're, gamb- you're literally gambling. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, no, in, for sure. And in Jessica's case, she has the worst case scenario in it <laughs> because whoever's playing the wizard or any like dedicated spellcast, because the fact of the matter is, is Sudi's going to punch and Sudi keeps punching and Citra's going to flip into flank and stab somebody. But when you're playing the wizard or the cleric and the, everything's going south, mm-hmm. you're just sitting there going, it's like, I know that there is a spell here yeah. that I can find some combination of magic and solve all of my problems. Yep. Yeah. But it sometimes it just doesn't happen that the, way. The bane of the spellcaster. I think um, that's probably why I default to fighters so often because I don't, I have enough stress in my daily life that I don't need the stress of, oh my God, did I pick the right spells today? Stress when I play games. I have agonized for weeks and weeks about specific spells I've cast. Obviously, you've all listened to these episodes. <laughs> but there is a beautiful moment where you pick just the right spell yeah. at just the right time and it works. Yeah. And like you baleful polymorph the big bad guy and it's like the most beautiful day of your whole life. Yeah. So it's kind of worth it. True. Yeah. Just, well, <laughs> yeah. on your on yours, just like seeing the albino crocodile and just being like calm, calm animal. animal. Yeah. And that fight that just perfect. stops. And then there's all, th- all other times where like the one thing that you would need to, to make this like, you know, go like a dispel magic or something and you just don't have it. Or you're then, deaf. Or, or you're deaf. You know, yeah. you're deaf or you're blind or the best part of this game is that sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down. Yep. That's the yep, best yep. part because it kind of in a weird way kind of mimics life because life's kind of like that too. Except you have magic here. Yeah. John does have a few related questions. Oh, I thought, I thought yeah, that was it. Said, we haven't even got to the question. He said, I get the feeling that playing Kabek was fun. I'm assuming this is for Rick. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he was fun to play. I will say I liked him. <laughs> oh, wait, not talking to me. I get the feeling that playing Kabek was fun. What are some of your favorite NPCs from the APs? Oh, everybody knows one of my favorites. I love Tetmanib. <laughs> Are we talking got, about all of them? I don't know. One? I think it's like Rick's I think it's favorites. Me playing. I don't yeah. Know. yeah. Oh. Okay. Was playing Kabek fun? Did you enjoy murdering me? First off, Kabek didn't kill you. Dude. That was <laughs> random cultist. I think I had him down on this sheet as cultist two. Um, so <laughs> cultist guy. two. That was, a, that was a particularly good NPC. Um, <laughs> we didn't even kill cultist two. We got to find that hoe. You killed his brother, cultist three. Uh, <laughs> Deserved it. <laughs> No, Paizo always writes a whole lot of really good NPCs. I think some of the top of my list, uh, Lowry from Curse of the Crimson Throne. I was oh, Lowry! Lowry! and Foxglove from yeah, Rise of the Moon Lord. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with him. Uh, the little bit that I've gotten to play of uh, Hasterton Lows was a lot of fun. <laughs> and outside of that, actually, I had a lot of fun with Iliosa in Curse of the Crimson Throne. Like, Curse mm-hmm. of the Crimson Throne had some really good... NPCs, but as far as you know, characters that have sudden twists or heel turns and everything else, Kopek was pretty far up there. Man, that was yeah. intense. He was also he was a character that is included as an NPC that didn't give me a whole lot. Like I had two paragraphs of basically information. I didn't get like the full two page spread on him. Oh, that's interesting. Weird. Um, wow. Yeah. And of course, in these books so far, like Mom and Offer has been a lot of fun. Just <laughs> oh, being yeah. Like over the top out there with Mom and Offer. I like been, the Hatia. Yeah, the Hatia was kind of interesting and fun. And there are some other great NPCs just coming up. And, you know, Neef. Neef was a lot of fun. I am Neef. I was say, this book actually has had a real, like, a really yeah. large cast of good well, NPCs. It's a city based kind of intrigue so far. That's true. I could probably make my top NPC of every adventure path that I've run less pretty easily. He says, I enjoy how clean and focused the podcast is, and still you're able to leave in moments like the one following the reveal. How many edit passes do you do on any given episode before you feel it is ready? What was that moment? I don't oh. know. He just says that moment after the reveal. 
I oh. guess when we had the role play out? moment. Oh, so I think it's when you guys were just having your freak out. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you leave in the part where we're just like, what? Uh, and there was, I think there's literally like five minutes of you guys just talking and going, what the heck's going on? I will, uh, I will throw this out there that anytime that you'll hear the party just riffing, especially if you don't hear me interjecting or speaking anything, it's because I'm usually drawing a map. <laughs> oh, so that's a good like, point, yeah. And yeah. so it was this sudden reveal and this sudden like combat begins, and then it's just them talking because I'm drawing out an entire battle map for them. <laughs> yeah. And they're just going on about things. And apparently the uh, stuff we did was, that was funny and or About the reveal, enough. yeah. Yeah, that we, yeah. we leave it in. Not to uh, not to get too deep into the weeds, but uh, every one of our episodes goes through three passes. An initial pass, which is usually when I run a truncate silence so that if there's any, I don't like to leave in dead air uh, and that will cut it down. It's a pretty simple process uh, and it balances all the levels in there. And then I do a second pass, which is when I do any of the editing in case I need to add in shwink noises for people using profanity uh, or cut out Jordan's Sorry. bad jokes. Or There's a lot of those guys, <laughs> like a lot of them. Jordan's I'm not that bad funny. Jokes. Or any of that sort of stuff. Uh, and then the third pass is when I do a final pass on it, listen through it. And then that's when I take the Sirenscape that we record onto a separate channel, insert it back in there, and then add in the fades, cross fades, all the rest of that stuff to give the, uh, the Sirenscape in the background. So, well, thank you for your email, John. Yeah, and thank I'm glad you so you much. Enjoy the podcast. So, Rick said he was doing something at the end of this episode. We all look at Rick. Yeah, this is the last after party before we go into the triple digits. Triple dig. Triple digits. Which is nuts, guys. We've been doing this like what, like almost two years now. Yeah, uh, it'll be two years. Uh, technically, I think episode hundred and five. Yeah, 105. We'll because we we'll, launched. With we'll hit three. our third. Yeah, into our third year. Wow. Uh, so it's been a long time going for us. About two years. So I figured I will start. I'll start with Heather. Oh God. And then we'll make our way around. Fun. Favorite episode. Uh oh. No. Uh, not the one where on your size. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, agreeable. I, I, I know a lot of fans are like, this is the best episode, and I'm like, okay, well I know- now I've presented it, so. <laughs> Does anyone know what their favorite episode is? My favorite episode is probably... I have two. Uh, I still like Boys Night Out, because that's just freaking hilarious. That episode is amazing. Mm-hmm. This is what, episode 19? Episode 18 is Boys Eight, Night Out. 18. Uh, 19 is uh, Girls Night Out. And then uh, the one where we meet Mom and Afra. And on yours is just like, what is happening in my life right now? It's just... That's episode 77, actually called the one where they meet Mom and Off. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I named the episodes. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, so you're going to say 77. Yeah, 77 and 18, I guess. Toss up. Okay. I'll give it to 77, I guess. Because I'm not going to let you pull a Rachel and have two. Rachel, <laughs> you <One>. have two? <laughs> I... Honestly, I always go back to Girls' Night Out because I just love the climbing of the statue and the shenanigans that happened. And honestly, because my memory is so bad, I can't remember what happens after that. You can't remember the last like 70 episodes? Uh, I, can't. I can't remember just, 80, like, I'm trying, 80 plus I'm trying episodes. to remember like, what just jumps out at me the most. And I still go back to that one because it was, I, I don't know, it was just the, the most... Um, ridiculous, I think, as far as stuff we did. Um, it was pretty out there. Trying to think of what, because I, I probably shouldn't have one that's from like book one, but you can have like one from book want. one. It's I mean, one, your favorite episode. Ninety nine to pick from, so you're saying nineteen? I, I don't know if I can think of anything that I really loved beyond that because things started getting like super serious after that. And I don't mean this in a mean way, but like as far as just content goes, the one where Sudi loses an eye. 
The one with old eye taker. Yes, the yeah. one with old eye taker. How dare That's you steal my episode? <laughs> so I'm going to stick with Girls Night Out because I love the shenanigans. As Rachel tries to get into you anyway. <laughs> Jessica, would you like to explain to us why you love that episode? Okay, but I have a favorite Sagira and a favorite Hollis episode. Okay, I guess everyone gets two. So <laughs> <laughs> my favorite episode that Sagira is in is the one where Sudi and Sagira do the argument of the court case and we send the so Isra good. message. <laughs> oh, is that is that the one with the old eye taker or the one right before it? It's before you lose your eye. I think it's the one right before it's that. It's when we're actually doing the Phoenix Wright thing. Yeah. And I send Isra to go get on yours because he seems like he knows laws. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and then we like do really well until we don't. I also like the moment where Sagira shh is oh, Citra. <laughs> yeah. And we find out that she's been stalking you because that's pretty funny. You, you being Sudi. Oh, yeah. Uh, my favorite Hollis episode is the one where Hollis does the flashback thing for uh, oh, Citra. Oh, yeah. And we get to kind of relive what Citra saw when her brother died. Oh, and yeah. Stuff. That, that was, was cool. Oh, man, I didn't yeah. even think about that one. That I think that's also good. the episode where I give your mom an egg. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> Which was funny. The, yeah. the highlights of that episode right there. That's real good. That's real good. Oh, man. I, I think the one yeah. before, uh, the one with the old eye kicker, taker, which was the one with the kangaroo court. That's it. Uh, the yes. episode before that was uh, the one with the bloody pillow fight, because that was most of the fight against... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Valeriana round two. Yeah. Valeriana I got round two. stabbed a lot in that episode. Not your favorite one, huh? Probably not really. I mean, it was mm-hmm. a cool episode, but yeah, I got, I got slashed up pretty good. Good thing I get two, because I did have two. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, We're very so indecisive I've here. Got, find the well, two I've, years, two episodes. I've got a positive, like, favorite positive episode and favorite kind of negative episode. If you so say one of your favorite episodes is the one where on your dies, I'm going to punch you. Okay, I do <laughs> like that episode, because I took a lightning bolt and took no damage, and it was freaking baller. I put a Medusa in a pit. That was a great episode. Well, Except for, for the bad part. Shush, shush you. Uh, but uh, for me, I really like the episode where we met Tedasura and like Sudi uh, learns who the heck he is. Yeah, that was cool. Episode like, fifty, the one with the grand reveals. Yeah, so it not only was big a big episode for Sudi because Sudi gets this like huge like purpose that kind of ends up taking him out of Wati and like giving him this like protector thing that he'd kind of been doing internally like and externalizes it. But it's also where we get Onuris's backstory a little bit, and so we learn a lot more about Onuris. So it's like a you know kind of two for one. Um, as far as like kind of a sad episode, um, the one with old eye taker is literally one of my favorite episodes, even though I lose an eye in it because of a couple things. One, I never felt more connected to Sudi except in that episode. Like that was one of those episodes where like I felt like I was a you know 17 year old kid again, but like being brave and like sacrificing to save all these people and like it you know kind of showed that Sudi was like willing to be self-sacrificing if it meant you know saving people. So I just really felt connected to him in that episode. So nice. That's my favorite episodes. What about you, Rick? Oh yeah. Yeah. What are yours? I look at it from two perspectives. Uh, I think probably one of my favorite episodes just fight-wise, and it's a little bit cheating because it was a fight that took two episodes for it, mm. was the uh, episode 68 and 69, which was the one with Nept Kufri and the one with the Sky Pharaoh. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was an entertaining fight, and everyone was all in on that. It was another one of those like desperate times, call for desperate measures, everyone mm-hmm. was pushed to their limit kind of fight. It was one of those fights that used the entirety of the map, and I always love those when I get to use every available space. So from just the standpoint of, of running a fight, I had a lot of fun with that. As far as like one of my favorite 
roleplay episodes. Yeah, I mean, it might just be the one where they meet Mom and Afra because I just really enjoyed. I do love Mom and Afra. Well, really enjoyed running that one. I, I was gonna say, there's also the funny part of like we're going to this fancy thing, and most of us have never been to fancy things, and so Sudi's sitting there eating all the hors d'oeuvres, and like. I'll know. also add the episode where we talk to the Hatya and we do the eulogy and stuff. Like, Citra had some really rad roleplay in that where she yeah. was very like. I'm tired of you guys and your games. Oh, yeah. Like, I I'm trying to save everyone. Like, how dare you? Like, it was good. Yeah. I got them both to shut up. That was kind of fun. Yeah, it was fun. Well, look, actually, I'll take that back. Actually, I do have a, I have a more, a fight that I enjoyed more than the one with Neptukufri. And that was the fight in the auction house. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that it was had so one. many yeah. amazing moving parts and just like the, the rolling encounter aspect of it was really yeah. cool. It was such a good fight. I really enjoyed it. It was such a great way to kick off book two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so book two, the, the first and last fights in book two, some of my favorites. Not that book one had anything. Uh, honestly, the entirety of the uh, pursuing the barefoot man into the sink of the Arunite eye was just great. So, But if I'm going to give it to any one, I would probably give it to uh, the one where they meet Mom and Afra. So, yeah. Outside of that, that's pretty much going to do it for us this week. But... There's a lot going on over the last uh, couple of weeks that we've been taking care of uh, on your passing, introducing a new character, doing all the rest of that. So I thought we would end things on a good note. And uh, just Jordan, do either of you have a preference? We're getting married, y'all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! After seven years. After seven long years, she says, uh, reading seven. the subtext. I too will be a wizard Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Yes. Um, so Why is my accent like that? Because I, I know people will ask the story. I'll go ahead and tell the story of how did you propose? Because like, I've been did. asked a million times by everybody I know in, in real life, in the real world, um, <laughs> at work. <laughs> this is still the real world. Yeah, yes. So Jess and I went to Greece for two weeks over Christmas. And uh, like one of the first activities we get, we did, we went to Athens and we took a silversmithing class. And I made her a ring. So it wasn't like, you know, the final writing ring or anything, but I did make her a ring. Mm -hmm. And then we went on a day trip out to um, like Peloponnese and we looked at a couple of ancient sites and it's cold, it's raining. The car it broke was, down. The car <laughs> broke down. Like it's just one of those like days where it's like, man, this kind of is bad. But we go up to a place called Epidaurus and they have this amphitheater. And so I'm a huge like theater geek from like back in my high school days. So I got to the center of this amphitheater and Jess took a picture of me giving a dramatic speech. I told him to be dramatic and he wasn't. She told me to be dramatic and I wasn't really doing it. And so she's like, you need to be dramatic. And I said, so how's this for dramatic? And I just got done on one knee. <laughs> proposed <laughs> and uh yeah she said yes guys and yeah. we were very like it was so fast nobody even i think realized that we got married because we both immediately became like socially awkward yeah so it's more weird so it was like fun. it was like one of those moments that she was like you even admitted to me you forgot that i'd made the ring the day before i knew you'd made the ring i just didn't know what you were gonna when we were like i didn't know <laughs> Yeah, so she was actually weirdly anything. surprised, even though she totally saw it coming. I wasn't I was expecting it at that <laughs> place. I don't know. Because he told me to pack something fancy. I imagined he told me to pack something fancy for a fancy thing. But it was a ruse. It was a clever ruse. It was a clever ruse. We never used that clothing no, at all. No, I didn't. all a ruse. That's how I roll. So, he's yeah. engaged. He's getting married later this year. Yep. Yeah. With lemurs. So, yeah, I mean, no, what a random fact. I mean, she is a druid. <laughs> yeah. It only fits. The, the, the druidiness will be shown in the wedding photos. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm yeah. sure it will come up. Gracious. So congratulations to both of you. Uh, 
I've known, I think, the two of you for pretty much the entire time that you've been dating at this point. Which is yes. almost as uh, long as you guys have been dating, too. Uh, you guys have been oh. going out two days less than Rick and Yes, because they were Ides yeah. of March and we were St. Patrick's Day. It's yeah. True. No, I think you guys wonderfully complement one another, both uh, around the table and not around the table, as far as out there living your own happy lives and the when real you're not world. trying to pretend to be <laughs> a bunch of things. And despite how often Jordan forgets absolutely everything and how often <laughs> Jessica has to angrily remind him of his abilities, <laughs> I think the two of you cohesively make, well, I think Jessica cohesively makes a wonderful player by herself, and I think her reminding Jordan <laughs> completes him into one uh, Good amalgam mass. Why you gotta be so of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's cruel and unusual. <laughs> no, it's true. Um, I think the thing for me is also like I have this like Jess is that person that I, I come home to and like just like makes me feel at home and at peace and stuff. Aww. So you, know. you can make yeah. us cry. He's yeah. being all sweet and stuff. I know. We don't <laughs> usually do that. We I guess people didn't even know we were dating for like a year and a half in this <laughs> podcast because we never talked about it. I had a little out of all the shows. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, okay, so, 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 we really didn't talk yeah, about so it. Yeah, so if you guys are curious, we've been dating this entire time. Thanks, Rick. Um, <laughs> no, that was us. We just aren't like... I mean, I mean somebody uh, thought Rachel and I were siblings because we had the same last name. Yeah. I don't know why they defaulted But y'all have talked about your wedding before. Y'all I know. But that was, that that was, that was like was... 30 episodes into the podcast. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, no, true. That, because you mentioned on way back in our YouTube days, you mentioned getting the Ring of Commitment. Yeah, it's true. a really funny yeah. way of mentioning your wedding ring. It's the ring like of commitment. That. Yeah, well, but you mentioned it. It's whenever, my titanium ring of commitment. <laughs> whenever we were making the videos for Find the Path, that's actually when we were planning our wedding. Yeah. yeah. So regardless, though, I think you guys uh, are are wonderful one for one another, and I'm very happy for you moving forward into this uh, this next phase, this level up progression of your uh, your continued yes. happiness in life. And it just goes to show you that. Uh, if, uh, if one of your fellow players is yelling at you about forgetting your class abilities or anything like that, it's because they love you. Yeah! <laughs> and they, they want, want you, you to they die. Want, they want to see you succeed and not die or get them killed. So Both of these, you <laughs> they, have gotten They want your before. character to be the best that it can be. That's true. It's a cooperative game. So uh, <laughs> with that, of course, we are very happy for that. I'm sure for those of you following our social media stuff and such, you'll see a continued stream of a variety of different... Uh, we're going to be real fancy, y'all. We're going to be real fancy. We're doing a see which wedding, y'all. See which wedding, great. yeah. Dapper, dapper, see which this is. This is not a tease for the announcement of our uh, Ruins of Aslan adventure. No, we're path. not doing that. No, no. <laughs> I just am. It's a, a very good. complex tease. I'm excited. I haven't seen Jess in a long time because she's just wedding planning like nonstop. Nope. <laughs> however, however, even though these two are getting married, that will not interrupt our continued playthrough of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path because we are dedicated. <laughs> yeah, and our guys, schedule's going to be guys, great. Guys, we went on vacation for two weeks and nobody even noticed because we just <laughs> recorded in advance, so That's it was true. good. Yeah. Jordan wasn't even in an episode and no one noticed. That's not what? true. That's not remotely what? true. <laughs> he didn't even notice. Oh my gosh. Jordan got up and left halfway through an episode and no one I, noticed. I, I just, he was sleepwalking. Yeah, I was going to say, I fell asleep at my, chair, at my chair and they decided to let me sleep and record. We replaced Jordan with Ross for an episode and no one noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Wicked. Wicked. Uh, anyway, so. congrats to Jess and Jordan. Yay. Yay. And congrats to us for about to be recording yeah. episode 100. Episode yeah. 100. Tune in to that Please. next week. So many milestones. And uh, good luck out there, Path Folk. dangerous. Don't go alone. <laughs> Take this. Bring your, bring your significant other with you to the table. If you're not marrying a D&D player, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyrighted 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.